Hey everyone, welcome to The Rights Podcast. Today's episode will feature Will Bro. He's the creator of Barbell Stories. We hope you enjoy this episode and please subscribe below. Hey everyone, just want to say a quick apology that there will be a quick blurp in the podcast where I had to handle a phone call since I forgot to put my phone on do not disturb. Sorry, first podcast host error, but hopefully we'll get better as we go. Enjoy this episode. Well, bro on the podcast today and I'm excited to introduce him. He runs Barbell Stories, so hopefully he'll be able to tell us a little bit more about that for anyone that doesn't know what Barbell Stories is. So, Will, can you tell us a little bit about Barbell Stories, how you got started? Yeah, sure. So, um, I started weightlifting when I was in college, and uh, I just started doing media for my team uh, when we went to meets and stuff like that because... I wasn't very good. Um, I've never been really good at weightlifting, but uh, I just started doing media for my team. And then when I graduated, I um, was still in contact with my coach um, and he was the head coach up at NMU for a short period of time. And uh, when he was there, he wanted me to go to a couple of national meets and do media for his team up at NMU. So um, it worked out really well. I was living in Madison at the time. So this is back in, um like november of 2018 and finals were going to be in milwaukee um and he asked me to go over to milwaukee which was like a two-hour drive for me and just do media for his team and then i while i was at there i kind of realized that with a media pass you can pretty much do whatever you want to um so instead of just taking photos and videos of his team i took a couple photos of um D'Angelo Osorio um, and a couple other weightlifters that I was really big. I was a really big fan of at the time. Um, still a fan of D'Angelo, obviously. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, after that meet in 2018, um, once I realized that I could do more than just cover the team that I was with, I uh, just started going to all the national meets, and um, that's kind of how it got started. Just like, um, so did you? Sorry, not to interrupt. Did you start with the pictures of people in the back or was that like something you kind of fell into over time? So um, when I was doing media for Whitewater, so I went to school at UW-Whitewater. When I was doing media for them, um, I was drawn to the back room because um, I thought it was the most interesting place. Um, and I'm someone who I didn't know what weightlifting was until I found the sport. Like most people who um, get into weightlifting, don't really understand it entirely. And you could be in it for years and not entirely understand what's going on. I agree with uh, that statement. <laughs> so yeah, like in the back room, it's just kind of like, I felt the most comfortable there because it was chaotic. Um, whereas like, uh, when you're out, when you see the platform and the stage, like it's very orderly, someone goes, they lift, they miss or they make, and then they walk off. Um, but everything that's happening in the back room, all the connections, like all the coaches that are trying to keep track of like five to six people at one time and make sure that they're all, um, being counted for and like getting their attempts accurately. 
um, drawn out from when they go onto the platform. I found that to be a lot more interesting. So that's just kind of where I naturally gravitated to. Um, and I frankly find what's going on in the platform to be very boring. So <laughs> I just kind of um, gravitate to what I find interesting, which happens to be the back room. That makes sense. So since you were mostly in the back room, I've been wondering, have you had any uh, moments where you're like, almost get the bar dropped on you like what's the scariest thing that's happened to you in the back room because i'm sure like i've seen some pretty crazy stuff in the back room where i'm like yeah like i don't think that's supposed to happen (laughs) (laughs) um i think the scariest thing that's happened in the back room is being kicked out of one um so like in rome um it depended on like who was like who the technical officials were, like if you could be back there or not, or if they were cool with you being back there or not. Um, so the scariest part of just being like walked up to by someone in a suit and just being like, Hey, you need to leave now. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> as far as like getting bars and stuff dropped on me, um, I haven't, I haven't gotten that close or I guess I've gotten that close. I just don't get afraid of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I tend to like the people I know the best and like I know their movement patterns, I get really, really close to just because they're predictable. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like for people I don't know, I keep my distance and I see how they move and how they approach the bar and then I just get gradually closer. But I could see that. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, I wonder since he's in the back room if he's had any like close misses with people just because I know uh, Derek when he was at Muscle Driver used to get pretty close to us. I'm like, you're lucky I don't drop this bar on you. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Um, So is there, how do you decide who you're recording in the back? Like taking pictures, you just kind of jump around or is there like some sort of system to that? Yeah. So um, honestly, it just kind of depends. It varies a lot. So uh, when I first got into it, I was literally just like, Hey, that person, like, for example, Amy Everett, I was just like, I've always been drawn to her and Greg and Catalyst Athletics. So, I was just, yeah, I want to take pictures of her. She seems really cool. Um, and so uh, once I started doing that after a while, I developed a relationship with her and Greg and Catalyst. So um, I tend to gravitate towards those guys, mostly at national meets. But other than that, it's um, who I find interesting. There's not really like, uh, I don't really like look at start lists and like, oh yeah, this session has a lot of cool people in it. It's basically just like, if I see something interesting happening, that's what I'm drawn to. Or if I know um, someone's personality and how they are in back, I'm just drawn to that. Yeah, you um, do an amazing job of catching like coaches and athlete moments. So yeah, I could see that. <laughs> thank you. I mean, it's a lot to hear, but yeah, it's basically just like, I get to know people as much as I can and I try to like find those moments that I I'm pretty sure is going to happen. It's just like making sure I'm there for it. Yeah. Just those, what is that called? Like those um, candid moments that everyone misses. (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So with the photography, you tend to gravitate, I guess, from what I've seen, like to a lot of black and white. Um, Is there a reason you do that? Yeah, so I learned how to shoot on black and white film. Um, I was taught like very traditionally, like 
Um, so in the traditional ways of learning photography, you start with black and white film and you're not allowed to like go into color um, or digital until you've mastered being able to do black and white really well. Um, and I got out of photography. So I learned how to do photography when I was in high school. I like learned how to shoot and um, develop and process black and white film. And then um, I got away from it when I was in school and I taught myself how to do video and stuff. Um, but when I got back into photography, I wanted to like reteach myself. Obviously, I wasn't going to use film for weightlifting because of the restrictions of light. Um, but I wanted to get really good at black and white before I got back into color. Um, and when I got into digital photography, I just really didn't like the, um, this is going to sound really stupid, but like, I didn't like how image processors made color images look. Um, <laughs> I just didn't like, it was like too contrasty. It was too punchy. Yeah. It was too saturated. Um, and so I just like held off on doing color until I felt like I got black and white to where I wanted it to be. Um, and then I started to introduce color and learn how to um, basically mimic my favorite film stock. And then I've just been kind of emulating that color science. That makes sense. Yeah, it tends to make it more like look the profile, like, I guess the same way across on like an Instagram too. If you're posting like similar color to the photos, if that makes sense for my little bit. Uh-oh, hello? I think I lost you for a second. No, no, it's Someone okay. Just, they wanted to call me. Oh, um, geez. <laughs> so as for the um, films, you went from film into the stories. How did that come about? Uh, so I, when I was in, so when I was in high school, I was very artsy, right? So I learned how to do photography. I, um, I was a writer. Um, I wrote a lot of poetry and I wrote um, short stories. I wrote like a, like a novel long like story. Um, so my background is in just, I tried to become as like, I was really interested in the art. So I wanted to like learn about all the different ways in which someone can express themselves. So um, I was really deep into writing for a while. And I just noticed that when I was taking photos to a lot of people, they didn't really make sense um, because like you couldn't necessarily bring someone's personality out. Um, you can try with photos and like, if you get the right sequence of them, but even then like some of the story, you just can't articulate just with photos. So um, one of those people that I noticed was John North. Um, he's the first person I actually wrote like a barbell story on. Um, it was just kind of like experimenting to see if people would like the aspect of the storytelling along with the photo. Um, so it just came about through like wanting to write and um, show people the personality of that weightlifter through a different mean than just a photo. Um, yeah, it's kind of how that um, got started. It was just kind of like the blending of the two worlds that I really enjoy. So how did you come in contact with John North to do that? Did you read Oh, I him? didn't. 
Oh, no, no, no. So, so I just, um, at the nationals in, uh, Memphis, um, it was his first time back at a USAW like national meet since goodness. It's been a few years. Okay. Um, but, uh, he was just in the back room and I was, again, it was one of those people I was just like instantly drawn to one. I knew who he was, but he just had this big, loud personality and I'd heard many stories, but I didn't think I'd be able to witness it. And so when I did, um, it just, I felt like I had to explain like what was going on. That makes um, sense. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like, no, I didn't really ask for permission at all. It was just kind of like, well, I hope he doesn't get mad about this. And then <laughs> went for it. That's, that's usually the easiest way. Uh, ask for forgiveness, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. It's a good policy to have when you're doing something a little risky. Yeah, you're like, maybe they, hopefully they won't mind. So right. I know you were at camp with me in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, what was your favorite thing about doing camp? Did you catch anything or? For me, um, and I was talking to Spencer about this on the Sunday we got there. He was asking me like what my hopes were. And um, I rarely get to see people training just day to day. Um, the only like teams I've seen be able to do like their day to day training and not like necessarily like leading up to a competition or even at a competition, um, uh, were like Cody Anderson, some of the mash boys, um, uh, Kane and Emily, which were, they were also at camp, but it was, I didn't really got a chance to see a lot of people that weren't part of like the team I was with in their day to day and like how they interact with each other. So for me, it was just like wanting to see what that was like um, and kind of like get some insights on how people are. Do they really, um, cause I've heard stories about like how Harrison's a goofball and is very competitive, but being able to see it and like understand that that's just his being is just this competitive just fun dude um it was really cool so um yeah yeah. i mean from even my perspective as an athlete i do think like you hear rumors you're like oh this person's super friendly oh this person keeps to themselves and it's really interesting when you get a one-on-one interaction with the athlete maybe that's a little bit ahead of you or competitive and you're like oh yeah i see that now (laughs) right yeah exactly like i've never seen katie nye in person till camp so i was like oh <laughs> this is super, how she is she was super nice yeah yes yeah Yeah. you never know like you're just watching and you're like hmm, we'll see we'll see how this person is in person that's terrible to say but instagram doesn't give you a true insight into oh no not at all yeah. right <laughs> Yeah, because I'm much more. Uh, if I know you, I'll talk a lot more. But if I don't know you, I'm much more quiet because I'm oh, not. Yeah. I'm, try- I'm still trying to figure them out. <laughs> Absolutely. So. I was gonna say in Rome, you barely said a couple words to me, and then at camp, we were just like being able to chat for a little bit, especially at dinner and stuff. You just like, wow, I didn't realize you talked so much. This is cool. Yeah, I talk a ton, but only once I like meet somebody. So I'm real quiet at first, in my opinion. Right. <laughs> now someone else might tell you I talk a ton. <laughs> my clients they're like she never shuts up um hmm. so yeah how did you get to Rome did someone invite you or did you just invite yourselves and stuff like that uh essentially um I was talking to Maddie and Amy about it um 
and they were both really hoping I could go. And I wasn't necessarily invited um, by like anyone on USAW or anything like that. Phil has always been somebody who um, advocates for me and like tries to help me out as best he can to like get me in international competitions um, or even like helping me out when I forget to sign up for credentials for national meets. Um, <laughs> Phil's great. I, I'm a huge fan of him because he helps me out with a lot of pickles. Yeah, Phil's the best. <laughs> you uh, can pretty much call Phil anytime. <laughs> exactly. Um, so no, I was just talking to them about it and I was like, I just don't think I'm going to be able to make this work. The flights are super expensive. And for those kind of trips are basically – um any trips those are all self-funded and like a lot like you guys you just have to pay for yourself to get there um and stuff like that so uh for rome it was looking at flights out of boston and realizing that it was going to be like a thousand dollar trip and it was just not something i could handle and then um it was like two weeks out i think it was two weeks out from when the competition would start i'm like let me just look and see Cause I was living in Massachusetts at, at the time. I'm like a three hour drive away from New York. I'm like, let me just see how expensive flights out of New York are. And if for a round trip, it was like $370 or something like that. Yeah. Cause that's where I flew out of. I actually flew from Greensboro to Newark and Newark to JFK because yep. the flight was going to be three, yeah, $300. So I was like, this is a no brainer. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And I was just like, why didn't I think to do this before? It was two weeks out. Now I have to like, at that point, I knew once I saw the prices, I'm like, there's no way I'm saying no to this. Um, so I got <laughs> in contact with Phil and I'm like, hey, so I know this is two weeks away, but can you help me out? And so he was able to get me in contact with um, the organizers over there so I can get a media credential. Um, and I found an Airbnb, which was like a 10 minute walk away from the venue. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I went out to see Mike, um, in Chicago back in like October or something like that. So I'm pretty good friends with Mike and, uh, Mike Atone and, um, a lot of the coaches there. So I wasn't necessarily invited, but I was welcomed if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that does make sense. See, I wish they had you at every meet, but <laughs> that's me. Um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, with the flights, you know what? Real quick, think why I'm thinking about. Well, I actually uh, Google when I'm flying somewhere now. Where is the cheapest place to fly to Germany from? And it tells you. And JFK is the cheapest place to fly to Italy from. For everyone out there that doesn't know that. Um, Interesting. Yeah, you can find out which airport's the cheapest. Um, I thought that was really interesting one time. Apparently, I'm the person that's like, how can I get there without spending $1,000? For real. I'm <laughs> all about that. I'm I was like, for all the flights that are less than a grand. Weightlifters are not, like, uh, we're not a rich sport. So it's really interesting, no. like, how expensive some of this stuff is. And you're like, this doesn't make much sense. <laughs> like, it's not like a lot of them aren't being paid, right? I mean, some right. of them are, but most aren't. Yeah, that's awesome that they were, yeah, they're super friendly. Micatone's awesome. And you got to see some Pyros and catch some Pyros too. I did during the, especially with his Pyros play too. Yeah, he's a, he's funny. I really enjoyed him. That was my first time actually like spending any time with him at all. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate having you because you do capture moments that like, as an athlete, when you're there, you're just trying to take it all in. So it is nice when someone captures moments that like 
you can't capture otherwise. Like, to be honest, I had to go back and watch the one you did of me with my 76 snatch. Because, one, I didn't realize there was music playing. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even hear that? No, I didn't hear oh it during my lift. So I was like, whoa, there's a song. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, and you did capture... Uh, Pierce and them so that was pretty awesome to see like like their reactions because like when you're in the moment to be honest most of that stuff just kind of flies by the way you like you just don't notice it till later yeah. and then you're really appreciative when someone's captured it and I'm the worst about that my mother-in-law will be like where are all your photos I have no photos like I'm the worst so I'll look back and be like darn I should have gotten pictures of that <laughs> and I won't yeah. do it so having you around is great so what's your plan for upcoming meets? Are you planning on going to other people's practices with COVID? Or what, what are you doing with COVID? Because now you're like home probably substantially more. <laughs> yeah, like a lot more. So before COVID happened, I was, uh, I joke that Boston Logan Airport was my second home. Uh, because I was just, I would think I was home for about 50% of the month, most months. Um, I was just traveling pretty much every other weekend or for national meets. I was gone for like four or five days, um, uh, but just going to like local meets and stuff like that. Um, and before, so before COVID, the lockdown started happening, I was planning for in April to basically be home for two days. Um, cause <laughs> I was planning on doing a, cause Palmer Grace was going to have a camp in the middle of April. Was that? No, yeah, it was the middle of April. So I was planning on going to... Yeah, I remember that, that too. <laughs> uh-huh, that small camp. And then going up to New York for the Pan Am um, preparedness camp. Um, and going to New York for the Golden Gala. Because um, I was going to be a photographer there. And then going back. Um, and then going down to Pan Am's and being gone for a week. And then coming back home after that. So That's my crazy. month of August was pretty much shot. And then two weeks before everything was supposed to happen, the entire country shut down and all the um, competitions were canceled. Everything was canceled. So um, it was just like, it was a, that month was pretty challenging. I mean, it was challenging for everyone because your entire training schedule got changed. Um, you no longer can train at the gym that you're comfortable with. You got to start looking for equipment and hoping you can find bumpers and change plates. Um, but for me, it was like everything that I was doing just suddenly disappeared. Um, and like just a feeling of a lack of purpose of like, I've got nowhere to go. I have nowhere to be. There's nothing to really document or say. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Have you considered doing like a what people did during covid like like a video of what like what was katie not i mean katie Nye still trained yeah right? she's in her garage i think jordan and harrison were like fortunate enough to get in the gym uh -huh. um, like it's like so sketchy i mean i i'm super blessed because like i always worked out in my home gym just because i'm a trainer so i can't work out where i work because literally i won't get anything done so i do remember yep. being like my clients were like we hate you and i'm like I did not know there was going to be a pandemic when I made my home gym, guys. This is, like, total coincidence. Um, right. <laughs> but, like, I would be interested, like, how many people now will have home gyms. Like, and that mm -hmm. alone could be its own um, 
interesting story for like Katie and I and stuff because they they pretty much train in their home gyms most of the time. Right, um, and I'm working on because um, my plan before was to uh, make a documentary of like USA weightlifting leading up into basically from Pan Am trials until um, the Olympics and to like try to make a long like the videos about that. Uh, but now with COVID happening, that like gives this a whole new perspective, especially with requalification and how it affects um, a few athletes. So I'm definitely planning on, um, and I did some interviews when I was down in um, Atlanta. I uh, did an interview with Harrison and Jordan just to kind of talk about like how it affected them, um, their training and everything else, and especially their livelihoods like after the Olympics, like everything got pushed back a year, which means everything that they'd planned on doing for the rest of their lives was pushed back a year. Yeah. I think that's super oh. hard. I like can't even fathom that. I'm like that. I mean, but one day it might make a good story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, terrible at the time, but I like to believe one day it might make a good story. Absolutely. And it just shows like how much people are willing to sacrifice for this sport. Like, I mean, Kane, he's, he's getting up there in age and like he's still fighting even though everything like his plan was after 2020, just be like, cool. I don't need to compete anymore ever. I've done, I've done enough. Um, but now that with being pushed back a year, I mean, he has one more year to devote his entire life to one thing, yeah. which is uh, making it to the Olympics. So it just, yeah. I mean, I can't begin to even understand how how much that impacts someone's life yeah i think like everything's gone towards it covid's made like everyone's lives a little bit more interesting Uh, yes (laughs) even if even if you didn't mean to it definitely did so what have you done during covid like so you've been home a lot um yeah i actually moved down to texas um in the middle so when i was supposed to be in pan ams is when i actually uh, loaded up my car and drove down to San Antonio. Um, and I actually, uh, I started up a barbell club with my best friend, um, Brittany Rucker, who, uh, she used to be part of TSS barbell, but she, um, broke away from that. And we started, um, this club called bear down in San Antonio. Okay. So anybody that needs a weightlifting club in San Antonio, (laughs) Now you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially if you have a home setup because um, our garage is getting pretty packed. Um, so if you have a home setup and want some coaching, definitely. But yeah. Yeah, that so remote what, programming life. <laughs> for real. We have a lot of remote athletes. I think more than 60% are remote. Um, but yeah. There's going to be a lot more of us. I, I used 100%. to feel like I was the only one, but I think there's a lot more now. <laughs> I'm like, Especially, I'm the only person out here. <laughs> right. And I think people like, so when I, when the gyms closed in Massachusetts and um, I basically like was able to borrow bumper plates from the gym I was a member at up in uh, Massachusetts, Mass Barbell, they like handed out equipment for people to use for free. And so I literally just like, trained in my parking lot um and this was like in march in massachusetts so it was like (laughs) snowing still and like 
So there were some days where you just couldn't train, but um, the like how nice it was to just like walk down the stairs in my apartment, open up my car door, and just pull out all the equipment and train in my garage, my, my parking lot without having to go anywhere was super nice. And it wasn't something I thought like I'd be a fan of, but to not have to go somewhere, um, I especially mean, like with the fear of um, COVID and everything like that. I mean, that, that's really commitment nice. to do it outside in, in Massachusetts. Oh, man. <laughs> so like there was a couple days where it was so windy, you just couldn't pull anything. You were like afraid it was going to drift away from you. So it was just like, it was fun-ish. You know, if it was in a garage, I would have a lot more of a good time. But uh, yeah, there was definitely some frustrating days where it was just like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is a huge benefit to being in your garage just because, like like you said, the point of access is less. So, like, you're not having to get in your car, pack your stuff up, get there, find space, wait for other people. You literally just go out there and start. Mm-hmm. But then the other negative, I guess, is sometimes, like, lack of people around. So, lack of connections. And yep. sometimes people do better in groups. Like, people tend to do better performance-wise when they're in groups. But yep. temperature-wise, you're right. And then temperature, that's the only other factor. Like, if it's freezing outside, who wants to go in the garage? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, you literally have to drag yourself out there. You're like, come on, go outside. So I, you're brave for going to Massachusetts because it's North Carolina and it gets cold. And I'm like the biggest baby. Space heater goes on, 15 layers. I have hot cocoa out there. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Training with hot cocoa—that sounds like a great plan. That's just—that's a great time right there. I just am trying to keep myself warm, so I'm like, right. I'll just take a warm drink out there. This has got to work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it usually does. Sometimes I switch it out for bone broth. For anyone that wants to know, it's higher protein, so go with that too. But yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know you started a barbell club, so now I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how's that been going? So like, you have. You're pretty busy, it sounds like. Yeah, so I don't. I'm not a coach um, for the club. I uh, I do all the media for it, and I'm the GM. Um, so I do. I do a lot of the computer work and the boring stuff, basically. Um, but yeah, that's basically what my. So the first month I was in San Antonio, my fiance was still up in Mass. Um, she had to finish out her contract with a um, – she works with children with autism, so she was finishing out her contract there. Um, and during that month, Britt had just moved into um, a new house with a garage that we had to turn into a gym. Um, so the first month here was basically just working 15 to 16-hour days, like pulling up weeds and, like, these bushes in the yard and, like, completely demolishing the garage and like getting it ready to um, put platforms in and we had to drop platforms and it was just like a lot of labor intensive work. And now it's just like basically just working on a computer most of the day. Um, But yeah, so what I do for bear is I don't, I'm not usually the one that's um, interacting with the athletes directly and like telling them what to do. Um, I just, take pictures and videos of them and uh, uh, make sure that they get um, everything they need. That's from, still super like, important. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like programming is important, but so is the 
all the social media stuff. That's how people know you're there. Right. Um, <laughs> otherwise, it's like, who's this person? <laughs> um, yeah. So let me see. What is something interesting you haven't told us yet, Will? Uh, I'm sorry I had to do it. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> um, uh, something interesting I haven't told you yet. Um, I don't know. I... Uh, I have a dog. What's his name? <laughs> what type of dog? Uh, it's a pit bull. It's a rescued pit bull from um, a rescue here in San Antonio. Um, it's a pit bull. Her name is Rogue. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Anna named her after an X-Men character. So we have Rogue. And then we're going to get a uh, cat because there's a bunch of kittens that need rescue too in San Antonio. We're going to name her Storm. So um real nerdy i guess that's the one thing yeah i'm super nerdy there you go if you couldn't pick up on that from everything else it's okay that's a that's a good thing because like i'm a computer person and i realize there's a lot of not techie people out there i'm talking to them like this person doesn't understand augmented reality okay check this out (laughs) 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 i'm sending you know my phone does it now i don't know if anyone has apple phones but some of the phones do augmented reality in case anyone Whoa, doesn't know really? that. Yeah, so I have a anatomy app where I can literally put the anatomy body in any room and I like take it apart and walk around it. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool, but nobody knows. <laughs> that is yeah. amazing. I didn't realize phones could do that. Yeah, I think the like SEs and up can do it now. And the elevens. Yeah. I know. That is super cool. Yeah, I'm a tech person. I think that's pretty cool. Uh <laughs> I'm, I'm, I might not be quite – I don't know the comic the comic book people. That's not quite my uh, thing. But that's pretty cool that you know that because you could always give me information I don't know. But I really appreciate you coming on here, Will, and having this conversation. Hopefully other people enjoy it and we can have you back as that's stuff cool. develops and you can tell us more stuff because I found this really informative, actually. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. and I'm glad I got to talk to you again. Thank you so much, Will. Of course. So thank you so much for listening to our first guest speaker. That being said, thank you, Will, if you're listening as well, again, for coming on. You can check out Will's stories, Barbell Stories, at Barbell Stories on Instagram. You can also check out their Barbell Club at B-E-X-A-R Barbell on Instagram. I also linked their website in the show notes, so feel free to check that out as well. Thank you so much for coming on, and we hope you guys subscribe to this podcast. We look forward to bringing you more great speakers, and that's it for now. Have a great day, everyone.